Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. Well, welcome back to the Equipping You in Grace podcast and to our Wednesday episode. Uh, today, uh, we got a great episode lined up for you talking about what discernment is and why it matters. We're going to keep talking about discernment in the coming days. Uh, for those of you that are new, this is our Wednesday episode. And and uh, here, really, we want to talk about issues that are in the church and and even the foundational matters and why they matter. You know, discernment is a word that we as Christians, we need to get a better hold of. We need to understand the answer to the question, what is discernment and how does discernment relate to spiritual growth? In 1 Thessalonians 5, 21 through 22, it says, Test everything, hold fast what is good. Abstain uh, from every form of evil. Now, testing everything is a call to discernment. In the context of very basic Christian commands, Paul says that discernment is crucial to the effective Christian life. Now, many people today, they view discernment in the wrong way. They, they perhaps think that, that discernment is just the pastor's job as he watches a flock. Now, it's true that, that uh, this is partially correct, as most of the calls to discernment in the New Testament, they're issued to church leaders. Every pastor is required to be skilled in teaching the truth of God's word and able to refute unsound doctrine. Discernment, though, it's not only the duty of pastors and elders. The same careful discernment Paul demanded of pastors and elders, it's the duty of every Christian. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 is written to the entire church to examine everything carefully. At the Greek text in 1 Thessalonians 5.21, it reads, examine everything. And so the idea conveyed by the word carefully is included in the Greek word translated examine, which is dokesimel. And so elsewhere in the New Testament, the word is translated analyze, to test, to prove. This word, it refers to the process of testing something to reveal its genuineness, such as in testing of precious metals. Paul wanted believers to scrutinize everything they hear to perceive that it's uh, genuine, to distinguish between the true and the false, to separate the good from the evil. In other words, Paul wants them to examine everything critically. The discernment that Paul is calling for in 1 Thessalonians 5.21 is doctrinal discernment. Now, often Christians are told not to judge. After all, they reason Jesus said in Matthew 7, 1, not to judge. Was Jesus here forbidding Christians from judging what is taught in his name? What Jesus condemned was the hypocritical judgment of those who held others to a higher standard than they were willing to live by. Elsewhere in Scripture, we're, we're forbidden to judge others' motives or even their attitudes we're not even able to discern, uh, Hebrews 4.12 says, the thought and intentions of the heart. 
Only God can judge the heart because only God can see it. He alone knows the secrets of the heart. He alone can weigh the motives therein. He alone, according to Romans 2.16, will judge the secrets of men's hearts through Christ Jesus. And so the scriptures, they make it clear that hypocritical judging and judging others' thoughts and motives, it's not what Christians are to do. Throughout the scriptures, the people of God are urged to judge between truth and error, right and wrong, good and and the devil. In fact, Jesus says in John 7, 21, judge with right judgment. In fact, Paul wrote to the Corinthian believers in, in 1 Corinthians 10, 15, saying, I speak as to sensible people. Judge for yourself what I say. God requires Christians to be discriminating when it comes to matters of sound doctrine. In fact, Christians are to judge one another with regard to acts of sin. This speaks of the same process outlined uh, of discipline outlined by Jesus himself in Matthew 18, 15 through 20. And most importantly, every Christian should examine themselves to see if they have judged rightly, according to 1 Corinthians eleven thirty one, which says, If we judge ourselves truly, we ourselves would not be judged. And this calls for the Christian to search their own hearts. Paul calls for this self-examination every time a Christian partakes of the Lord's Supper. In fact, the discernment Christians are called to engage in is doctrinal discernment. And the testing of truth that, that Paul calls for is not merely an academic exercise. It, it demands an active, twofold response. First, there's a positive response to whatever is biblical. When he says in verse 21 of 1 Thessalonians 5, hold fast what is good. Now, this echoes Romans 12, 9, which says, abhor what is evil, hold fast what is good. And so the expression, hold fast or even cling to, it speaks of jealously safeguarding the truth. Paul is calling for the same kind of watchfulness that he demanded of Timothy every time he wrote to him. Uh, the truth is given into our custody, and we are charged with guarding it with, against every possible threat. And this describes a militant, a defensive, even protective stance against anything that undermines the truth or does violence to it in any way. We must hold the truth securely, defend it zealously, and preserve it from all threats. To placate the enemies of truth or lower our guard is to violate this command. In fact, hold fast, it also carries the idea of embracing something. It goes beyond that which is good and speaks of loving the truth with all of one's strength. You see, those who are truly discerning, they're passionately committed to sound doctrine, to the truth, and to all that is inspired by God in the Word of God. Every Christian should have this attitude of discernment. Paul, Paul defines salvation as loving the truth in 2 Thessalonians 2.10, and he told the Corinthians they proved their salvation by holding fast to the gospel he delivered in 1 Corinthians 15.2. So those who fail to hold fast to the saving message of Christ are those who have believed in vain. That is, their faith was empty to begin with. This is, what, this is what the Apostle John says in 1 John 2, 19. They went out from us, but they're not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they were not all of us. You see, all true Christians hold fast to the gospel. In fact, Paul urged the Thessalonians to nurture their love for the truth and to let it rule their thinking. He wanted them to cultivate a conscious commitment to all truth, to faithfulness, to sound doctrine, and a 
pattern of holding fast to all that is good. In fact, this attitude it calls for is incompatible with the, the suggestion. The attitude this calls for is incompatible with the with the idea that we should lay aside doctrine for the sake of unity. In fact, it cannot be reconciled with the opinion that hard truth should be downplayed to make God's word more palpable for unbelievers. It's contrary to the notion that personal experience takes precedence over objective truth. God has given his people his truth objectively in his word. It's a treasure that we should protect at all costs. This is the opposite of undiscerning faith. Paul leaves no room for rote tradition. He makes no place for blind, irrational faith that refuses to consider the authenticity of its subject and just accepts at face value everything that claims to be true. He rules out the kind of faith that is driven by feelings, by emotion, and by the human imagination. Instead, we are to identify what is good by examining everything carefully, objectively, rationally, using Scripture as our standard. Now, no other human teacher, no other personal experience, no other strong feeling is exempt from this objective test. Experience and feelings, no matter how powerful, do not determine what is true. Rather, those things themselves must be subjected to this test. That which is good is the truth that it accords with the word of God. The word good comes from the Greek word kaleos, meaning something good. So it isn't just something that is nice to take in or even behold or watch. It speaks of something good in itself, genuine, true, noble, right. It doesn't refer to satisfying the flesh. It refers to that which is good, true, accurate, authentic, dependable, that which is in agreement with the word of God. In fact, the other side of Paul's command is a negative response to evil. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 says, Abstain from every form of evil. And the word abstain is a powerful word. It means to hold oneself back, to keep away from, to shun. It's the same word used in 1 Thessalonians 4.13. Abstain from sexual immorality. And in 1 Peter 2.11, abstain from the passions of the flesh. It, it calls for rad radical separation from every form of evil. It, 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 this includes evil behavior. And in this context, it's speaking to evil teaching, to false doctrine. You see, when you find something that doesn't line up with the Word of God, something that is untrue, erroneous, that is an error or contrary to the word of God, you are to shun it. In fact, scripture does not permit Christians to expose themselves to evil. Now, now some people believe the only way to defend against false doctrine is to study it, to become proficient in it, to master all of its nuances and then refute it. The problem is, is when one immerses themselves in false doctrine, they're going to become influenced by it. In fact, some Christians immerse themselves in philosophy and entertainment and the culture of society. They feel that such a strategy will strengthen their witness to unbelievers. But our focus as Christians should be on knowing the truth. Air is to be shunned. Christians cannot recede into a, into a monastic existence, living, in, living uh, to escape exposure to every uh, evil influence. Neither are we supposed to be experts in evil. In fact, Paul says this in Romans 16, 19, I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. Now, a U.S. Treasury agent does not need to study counterfeit money to spot it. They study genuine bills until they master the look of the real thing. 
And then when they find bogus money, they recognize it. Now, detecting spiritual counterfeits, it requires the same kind of discipline. Master the truth to refute the error. Study the truth. Hold fast to the faithful word. Then you'll be able to exhort in sound doctrine and refute those who contradict it. Uh, Titus 1.8 says, in fact, Paul says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Uh, Paul also rules out syncretism. Syncretism is the practice of blending ideas from different religions and different philosophies. Now, I, I've noticed this over the years. People have said, I, I believe in Christianity, plus I believe in this philosophy or world religion. That This is the wrong idea. It's not whatever we believe that matters. It's what is truth in the Word of God. The only proper response, and we're going to talk about dealing with false teachers uh, on another episode here soon, is but the only proper way, I want to say, to respond to false teaching is to shun it. Erroneous doctrine is not a place to look for truth. Now, we need to understand Satan is subtle. He often sabotages the truth by mixing it with air. Truth mixed with air is far more effective and far more destructive than a straightforward contradiction to the truth. Christians, we should use discernment with regard to what we listen to on Christian radio and television. If you don't use discernment, then you're a prime target for doctrinal deception. If you think everyone who appears to love the truth does, then you don't understand the wiles of Satan. 2 Corinthians 11, 14-15 say Satan disguised himself as an angel of light, so, so it's no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Now, you see, Satan also disguises his lies as truth. He doesn't always wage war openly against the gospel. Uh, he is much more likely to attack the church by infiltrating with subtle air. He uses the, the Trojan horse stratagem by placing false teachers in the truth, where, where Peter says in 2 Peter 2.1, they can secretly bring in destructive heresies. He puts his lies in the mouth of someone who claims to speak for Jesus Christ, someone likable, someone appealing, and then he, he spreads his, his perverse lies in the church where they can draw others away from Christ's disciples. He attaches Bible verses to his lies. He uses deception and hypocrisy. He, he uh, disguises falsehood as truth. He, he loves syncretism. It makes evil look good. And, and that's why Christians are to examine everything carefully and to shun whatever is unsound, whatever is corrupt, whatever is erroneous. It's deadly. And, and millions in the church today are being overwhelmed by this Trojan horse ploy calling for the integration of secular ideas with biblical truth. In fact, others are being duped by anything labeled Christian. They don't examine everything. They don't hold fast to the truth, and they won't shun evil. Uh, in fact, some people say that this is fundamentalism. But the problem is, is that people are left vulnerable to false doctrine, and they have no defense against theological confusion. In fact, the apostles' clear teaching in, in this passage in 1 Thessalonians 5, 21-22, it cannot be avoided, and it cannot be ignored. As in the days of the early church, doctrinal error is all around us. In fact, Dr. Albert Moeller, the president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, is right when he says this, the, the, the tragedy that evangelicals have lost the art of biblical discernment must be traced to a disastrous loss of biblical knowledge. Discernment cannot survive without doctrine. You see, God gave us his word so that we would have a measuring stick by which to examine every spiritual or theological message we 
encounter. Now, it's so important that you learn to be discerning. The goal in being discerning is not to be unloving, but rather to preserve that which is first purer than peaceable, James 3.17 says. Scripture makes it clear that this type of examination is inherently loving, as God's people are called to think biblically and exercise discernment. To do anything less will only result in spiritual anemia. The role of discernment in spiritual growth, then, is clear. If one is not discerning, then they will be led astray by false doctrine. And in today's church, many people are are led astray by this idea. They think that that doctrine, it doesn't matter. But the opposite is the case. Doctrine that comes from God's word, it matters supremely. Because God gave us his word to his people so that they would know his son, the Lord Jesus. And this makes God's word supremely important to, to study, to meditate, to learn from, to grow in. And because discernment is tied to spiritual growth. Because without discernment, one cannot grow to be like Christ, which is the goal for spiritual growth. My my prayer for you today as as you encounter doctrinal teaching, and by the way, everyone is encountering doctrinal teaching, is that you'll be like the Bereans who were far noble because they were examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so, Acts 17, 11. And this is so, so vital because some people think, well, I, I, I don't have a doctrine. But remember, what doctrine means is it means teaching. And, and R.C. Sproul is right when he says that every Christian is a theologian. That means the atheist, that means the Christian, that means the Mormon, the Jehovah's Witness, and on and on. Everybody is doing theology. So the, the issue isn't whether you're going to be discerning. The, the question is, why aren't you being discerning? And that's what I'm hoping for today. Not only that you'll understand what discernment is, but that you'll understand why it matters, and that you'll begin to be discerning. You'll you'll listen with careful ears to what's being taught, and we're going to talk about that in a, in a future episode down the road, uh, about having a plan and 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 why we're to be even more discerning and, and these types of things, because it's so vital to understand. But today I just wanted to, to talk to you about what discernment is and why it matters, and I want to thank you for listening or even watching this episode of the Equipping You in Grace podcast. Until next uh, Monday and Wednesday, may the Lord richly bless you and keep you. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.